You are listening to King Jesus Radio, the official podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. We're going to get ready to get started this morning. Amen. Praise God. Well, how many of us know that the Lord has already started this morning? Amen. So, praise God. We're going to be in the book of Ezra, chapter 8, this morning, verse 1 through 20. And uh, we're coming back to the book of Ezra, which is pretty awesome. I know we took the month of August off and, you know, kind of went and, you know, took a little pause in there. But we're back on it, back with, uh, with, uh, with the rest- restoration and the return and just how God is using his people here. Amen. So it's just so exciting and such a blessing. And I know today many are preparing for football season. Amen. <laughs> football season has started already, you know, and, and uh, don't get me wrong. I love sports. You know, I, I love, you know, football, basketball, baseball, all these different things. But, you know, one of the things that I look at is that, you know, even, you know, as, you know, as your team, your team could lose at times, you know, and sometimes they lose for a long time and that's never easy. You know, but one of the things that we can celebrate constantly and we can know is that we do have the victory in Christ Jesus this morning. Amen. We always know we're victorious in Jesus. So that is the blessing of it all. So even though our team may lose or whatever it may be, but that's okay. That team didn't die for us, but our Lord Jesus Christ did. So we don't have to wait for the football or the basketball or the baseball season or whatever sports season. We can praise the Lord daily. Amen. So just looking forward to what God has for us today and you know, it's amazing. I was thinking about it, um, what was it, probably yesterday, about how, man, last week was like 100 degree weather, and then this week now we got the fires and the air quality and everything like that, and it, it does cross your mind. You're just like, wow, every week is something different. But then again, I'm just reminded, but our God is never different. He's always the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So that is our peace and that is our comfort this morning, that through it all and through all the thoughts and through everything that we see and, you know, that's going on all around us, we could always be rest assured that our God never changes and he is always the same, amen, and he is in control of it all. So that is one of the greatest gifts that we have today is to be reassured of that and have that hope this morning, amen. So that's what we're coming together just to seek the Lord this morning and prayer to the word of God and just asking the Lord to lead us as, as, we, uh, as we get into this study this morning. So Ezra chapter 8, we'll be reading verse 1 through 20, and I'll open up in a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you this morning, Father God. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. We thank you, Father God, for another beautiful day and night, Father God. We thank you for another day of your faithfulness, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for the very breath that we're able to breathe this morning, Father God, the very air that is in our lungs, my God. Father God, Lord, we just thank you this morning for your faithfulness, Father God, as we look out into our world today, into our earth, Father God, into, Father God, our universe, Lord. Everything is still standing and functioning the way that you purposed it, Father God. So, Father, we are so grateful and so thankful this morning, my God, because, Lord, in our function, in our place, Father God, that's what we're here to do. We're here to praise you. We're here to seek you, Lord God. We're here to look to you, Lord Jesus, and exalt your holy name, Lord Jesus. Father God, because, Lord, we know and believe, Lord Jesus, in who you are, Father God. So, Father, this morning, we just thank you for this time, my God, as we're able to come together to seek you through your word this morning, Father God. And, Father, we just ask you this morning, Father, that you would lead us and guide us and direct us by your spirit, that you would teach us, Father God, by your spirit this morning, Father God, and that you would lead us and guide us through prayer this morning, Father. So, Father, we thank you this morning, Lord. We praise and we glorify your holy name. Father God, 
And we just thank you for your word, my God. For your word is alive, living, and active, Lord Jesus. And Father, we just thank you for this time, Heavenly Father. We ask you for your forgiveness of our sins this morning. Forgive us of all unrighteousness and uncleanliness, Father. Forgive us of our ways and our thoughts. Forgive us of our own understanding, my God. Forgive us for resisting you, Lord, in any way, Father God. Forgive us for rebelling and disobedience, Father. Forgive us of our sins this morning. We repent, Father, of our ways and our thoughts, my God. And Father, Lord, we also forgive those that have sinned against us, that we hold anything against this morning, my God. And in that same forgiveness, my God, we also bless those, Father, that we are forgiving this morning, my God. Father, believing and knowing that through that blessing that they would see you, Father God, and that, Father, there would be a change of heart, my God. And, Father God, just as we see your love and your mercy, my God, that they too would see your love and your mercy, my God, through the forgiveness, my God, as we, Father, choose, Father God, to agree with what your word says, my God, in obedience and the, Father, power of your Holy Spirit to do so, Lord. So, Father, we just thank you this morning, Heavenly Father, and we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, we're going to go to verse 1 of Ezra chapter 8, and it starts this way. It says, These are the heads of their fathers' houses, and this is the genealogy of those who went up with, from, went up with me from Babylonia in the reign of Artaxerxes the king, of the sons of Phinehas Gershom, of the sons of Itamar, Daniel, of the sons of David, Hattush, of the sons of Shechaniah, who was of the son of Perish, Zechariah, with whom were registered 150 men, of the sons of Pehath Moab, Eliahunai, the son of Zariah, and with him 200 men, of the sons of Zatu, Shechaniah, the son of Jehazel, and with him 300 men, of the sons of Aden, Ebed, the son of Jonathan, and with him 50 men, of the sons of Elam, Jeshiah, the son of Atalia, and with him 70 men, of the sons of Shephatiah, Zebediah, the son of Michael, and with him 80 men. Of the sons of Joab, Obadiah, the son of Jehiel, and with him 218 men. Of the sons of Bani, Shelomit, the son of Josephiah, and with him 160 men. Of the sons of Babai, Zechariah, the son of Babai, and with him 28 men. Of the sons of Asgad, Johanan, the son of Hakatan, and with him 110 men. Of the sons of Anadikim, those who came later, their names being Eliphelet, Jewel, and Shemaiah, and with them 60 men. Of the sons of Igvai, Utai, and Zakur, and with them 70 men. I gathered them to the river that runs to Heva, and there we camped three days. As I reviewed the people and the priest, I found there none of the sons of Levi. Then I sent for Eleazar, Ariel, Shemaiah, Elnathan, Jerob, Elnathan, Nathan, Zechariah, and Meshalem, leading men, and for Jerob and Elnathan, who were men of insight, and sent them to Ido, the leading man at the place of Casiphia, telling them what to say to Ido and his brothers and the temple servants at the place of Casiphia, namely, to send us ministers for the house of our God. And by the good hand of our God on us, they brought us a man of discretion of the sons of Malhi, the sons of Levi, son of Israel, namely Sherebiah, with his sons and kinsmen, also Hashabiah, and with him Jeshiah of the sons of Merari, with his kinsmen and their sons, twenty, besides two hundred of the, and twenty of the temple servants whom David and his officials had set apart to attend the Levites. These were all mentioned by name. So this is talking about the genealogy of those who now are returning with Ezra. And in this return, there is not as many people going back with Ezra. But still, there are a lot of people who were willing to return with Ezra. 
How many of us know that no matter in the work, no matter how great the work may be, God knows always how to provide the laborers, amen? And we see that here as we read through this list of names. It's not just one person, but we see that they brought along a bunch of other people with them. That was part of their family line, their genealogy. So there was a group of people that were heading back with them. But numbers don't always necessarily mean that that's an easy task. You know, sometimes we could look at it and say, man, I got so many people, it's so great. But the problem is, is what do you do with all those people? Are all of them there really to serve? Or what are their, their giftings? What are they good at? What can you use each one for? Which ones are good for leadership, administration? Because the thing is, is that every single one of them has a gift. Every single one of them can be used in such a way with a direction. And that is not a, an always an easy task when you have a large group of people or even a small group of people. But this is where the wisdom of the Lord is needed. But either way, all of those that would return with the Lord, see, the Lord knew them by name. He knew every individual that was going to go back and the families that they would return from. Whether it was a great amount of people or not, the Lord knew. Their names are written here in this Bible that we're reading today. How many of us know today that God knows me and you? He knows us by name. He knows the purpose for which he has called us. He knows the plan and the purpose that he has for our life and the reason why he chose you. And not only that, he has given us of his Holy Spirit. He's given you gifts. But they're not our gifts, they're his gifts. But they're all for the work of the Lord to bring him glory. But see, it has to be more than our gifts and our talents. Because how many of us know that being a Christian is not like a business? Some may run it as so, and don't get me wrong, there's areas that we do, that we do have to run as a business would. But as far as the message and the gospel and how we follow the Lord, you cannot run it as a business. You cannot run it as a country. Because it's run by God. It's God's responsibility. So usually in a job, you will hire somebody because of their qualifications, because of their experience, because of what they know. Because you already know, this is the person that I want. They have the experience, they have this, but that's not how it is in the body of Christ because it's the Lord who places us in the body as he sees fit. And many times when he calls us, we're not ready. There's a refinement. There's a preparation. But how many of us know it's not a preparation of our knowledge or preparation of how much we know or how much we think we know, but it's a preparation of the heart. It's a preparation for our heart because as the Word of God says, He does not look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. The heart of worship. The heart to serve. And what I love about this is that in verse 15, Ezra says, I gathered them to the river that runs to Eheva. He gathered all the people there. And there we camped three days. So he took these three days as an opportunity. He didn't just camp there to camp there. There was a reason for it. 
And he says it in this next portion. He says, as I reviewed the people and the priest, I found not, there none of the sons of Levi. So through all these people that he sees here, he reviews them and he realizes, wait a minute, there are no sons of Levi here. And the tribe of Levi was one that was called and set apart by God. And because of that, they were called to work in the temple of God, to bring the offering, to carry the Ark of the Covenant. They were set apart, they were holy to the Lord. And not only that, the Lord took care of them and made provision for them by telling all the other tribes, you will provide for them. But even in that, the Levites were still required, even though there was a tithe that would go in to take care of the Levites, to they serve in the temple, there's also still a portion of Scripture that Levites still had their responsibility to God because it says even the Levites paid a tithe of the tithe. So even the Levites were required to give unto the Lord. But they were set apart for the purpose of God, and this was important to Ezra. It's not to say that the people that were there were insignificant. No, they, had a, they were relevant. They were significant. They had a purpose. But so did the Levites. Because they represented God. The Levites would be responsible when they returned to the land to work in the temple of God. They would be responsible to teach the people about God so when they came back to the land, they wouldn't forget why they were there or the God that they were to serve. There had to be those that would hold the forts and continue to bring forth the word of God so that the people wouldn't just be serving randomly and picking out their own gods, but know that they would remember, this is why we're here. This is the one who brought us here. This is our God, the God of Israel. And how many of us know today that many times we can forget why we come to church, why we serve, why we do what we do? Because we just go, get so used to doing. It's a matter of the heart. But I want us to look at an example of the Levites here this morning. And we're going to go to Exodus chapter 32. And just a backdrop on this. This is when the people are upset and anxious because Moses hasn't come down yet. We don't know what happened to this Moses, but create for us a God so we can worship him. But God says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no idols. But the people did. And Moses comes down and he's angry. He breaks the Ten Commandments but yet he intercedes for the people. And how many of us know the Israelites were not an easy people for Moses to lead? They were a stiff-necked people. But I love this next portion of Scripture here in verse 25. 
through 29, it says, And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose, to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp. And each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. And Moses said, Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and of his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. What a portion of scripture. How many of us know to serve the Lord, it's going to cost you? It costs the Levites. They had to go out and do what God told them to do. This is their brother, this is their sister. Many of them could have been like, wait a minute, we're, we're brothers and sisters. But see, the difference between them and the Levites is the Levites were willing to acknowledge what they did was wrong, and they were willing to acknowledge God. He says, whose side are you on? And they all came and they stood by Moses. It wasn't that they were for Moses, they were for God. They were recognizing this is who God has instituted. And when Moses put that out there, they were coming and saying, we are on God's side. And because of that, they were given a command. And it cost them because of what they needed to do. How many of us know that everybody that says brother and sister doesn't always necessarily mean they're your brother and they're your sister? Because if they're not willing to acknowledge their sin, if they're not willing to acknowledge the God of the heavens before everything and anything else, not just in their words, but in their lives and their actions, and you have to question and ask yourself, is this my brother and is this my sister? I'm not to say that nobody falls short because we all fall short. But I'm talking about when the Lord is dealing with you, And he's causing change within your heart. But yet you see a brother and sister in the Lord who tell you, don't worry about it, it's okay. You're going to be all right. God will forgive you, just go for it. Is that your brother? Is that your sister? Because all they're doing is leading you to death. It costs the Levites. But in that, the Lord says they would be blessed. And Ezra is looking for the Levites. They were important on this return. Those that are set apart to God, willing to stand up and acknowledge God before anyone and everyone, including their own families.
You know, it's amazing. Before we became Christians, yeah, we had our differences. But how many of you has a cost in following the Lord, your relationship with family members, friends, co-workers, those around you, because of who you belong to and who you live for today. They look at you as you're different. But that's okay because we too were there at one place in time. That's why it's so important that we continue to live holy unto the Lord, set apart so that they can see and know that, no, God is real because he's real in my life. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 21 through 22. He says, brother will deliver brother over to death and the father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. He says, it's not that they will hate you because of you. They will hate you because of me and who you believe in. Always know that they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. But look at Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 33. It says, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a greater way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, if any one of you does not renounce all that he has, cannot be my disciple. That is a hard statement. But in the simplicity is, there could be no one before our God in our hearts and in our lives. And anyone that comes in the way between God and our, and our lives with him... There could not be so. He's saying, no, I must be the most important thing in your life. Even greater than your own life. I shared with somebody the other day. Don't give your life to the Lord. If you're not willing to sacrifice the relationship that you so desire greater than God. Because there's no point in coming to God so you can have that other relationship. 
because God is a jealous God. It's better for you not to even make that vow. Because I don't want to promise you that because you give your life to the Lord, then all of a sudden all the doors and all the relationships are going to open up and that relationship is going to come back to full circle. I said it's not to say that it couldn't. And I'm not saying that God couldn't restore it. All I'm saying is you can't go into this and confess the Lord with that on your heart and mind. You have to be willing to lay it down. And the question was, are you willing to lay that down, whether you get that relationship back or not, but realizing you'll have the greatest relationship you could ever have? And the person wasn't ready and walked away. I heard a group of teens the other day talking, and they were talking about their friends and different ones, and somebody said, so-and-so and so-and-so, and and I could hear them say, oh, no, no, man, he's a, he's a Christian now. Really? Yeah, he's brother this, sister that. And I hear one of them say, oh, he's uh, one of them born-agains, huh? They're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, he, he just said, you know, I don't really talk to him too much anymore. How many of us have ever been in that place? How many see you like that today? Maybe they don't tell you to your face, but they're talking. But that's okay because they don't get it. They don't see it yet. But that's why we continue to pray that they will, just as the Lord opened our eyes. It's possible. But see, that's what the Lord is looking for. Men and women that are willing to count the costs to lay everything down, to say, Lord, here I am, I'm willing to serve you, to be set apart for the purpose and the service of the Lord. Look at verse 16. He says, Then I sent for Eliezer, Ariel, Shemaiah, Elnathan, Jerob, Elnathan, Nathan, Zechariah, Meshulam, leading men, and for Joab and Elnathan, who were men of insight, men of understanding. Verse 17, and sent them to Ido, the leading man at the place of Casiphia, telling them what to say to Ido and his brothers and the temple servants at the place of Casiphia. See, he's taking the leadership and looking for wisdom and discernment of how to seek those out. Because as a leader, a leader will always need to seek out those with wisdom and discernment to find the place where they'll fit and to function for whatever purpose that may be. But here we see it's for the house of God. And he gives them direct instructions. He says, and the temple servants at the place of Casiphia, he says, namely, don't just send us anybody, but to send us ministers for the house of our God. To send us ministers for the house of our God. The word minister is a servant one who contributes, one who waits on. And I don't mean one who waits on and stands here, well, I'm waiting on God, I'm waiting on God. No, as a waiter, someone who is serving, that is waiting on. 
one who contributes. This was important to Ezra, that there were Levites there that would stand and be set apart for God and that would be willing to come and contribute and to serve all for the house of God. And verse 18, we see the favor of God, and it says, By the good hand of our God on us, they brought us a man of discretion. The discretion is the capacity to gain an accurate and deep, intuitive understanding of a person or thing, a discernment of the namely of the sons of Malhi, the sons of Levi, sons of Israel, namely Sherebiah, with the sons and kinsmen, 18. Also Hashabiah, and with him Jeshiah, the sons of Merari, with his kinsmen and their sons, 20. Besides 220 of the temple servants whom David and his officials had set apart to attend the Levites, these were all mentioned by name. A man of insight and discretion, able to see those whose hearts were willing to serve the Lord. It wasn't this man, it was God. It reminds me of the apostles when they chose the seven men to serve tables and said, choose those from among you that are full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. How many of us today are full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit this morning? If your faith is in Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit. The question is this morning, are we using our gifts to serve God? Or are we occupied with something else? Last week we talked about if something is occupied, then it means it's in use, it's unavailable. Our prayer this morning is for the body of Christ that we would be such ministers servants unto God, set apart not because of who we are, but because of who our faith is in. Counting the costs and willing to serve the Lord with all our hearts. Willing to serve the Lord no matter the cost. And also praying for the wisdom for leaders, for pastors, for ministers, those in leadership and administration for wisdom and guidance to seek out those who have a willing heart to serve the Lord and to be able to work that those gifts can be used, those gifts can be utilized, those gifts can be bringing the Lord glory and honor. that we would be a body of Christ that would be willing to count the cost. This was important to Ezra. Just as you are important to the body of Christ. Each one of you here today, each one watching with us today, you are important to the body of Christ. There was a reason and a purpose for you but continue to count the cost. But just know that the greatest cost, the greatest price was paid, and that was when Jesus Christ paid that price for us on that cross. Salvation is paid for. Salvation is done. Salvation has been given to us. 
It's what are we going to do with that salvation? What are we going to do with that gift? And just know that God is able to reach those that just don't quite understand yet. He can draw them. He can deliver them. He can, he can show himself to them. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to continue to pray. You can ask those online. We'll be back at 1045 to continue to pray as well. And this is our prayer this morning. Amen. Brother Gabriel, that we want to jump ship. A relationship, a circumstance, a job. Following the Lord. Because it's so hard that we're ready to jump ship. Or because we're so busy, we're ready to jump ship. We're so occupied that we're ready to jump ship. Why? Why does this happen? Because let me tell you something, we are all guilty of it. We may think about jumping ship now, you may have already jumped ship. But don't worry, this message is to bring clarity so we can get back on the ship. That's called mercy and grace and the love of God. The reason why we would jump ship is because everything that we see points to us jumping ship. I've got too much to do. I got too much going on in my life. I got this going on. I got that going on. There's COVID-19. There's fires. There's all these things rising up, protests, everything that is going on. Everything is pointing to me to jump ship. It's about time. It's too hard. It's too difficult. And I'm going to do it the way I think I need to do it because I need to jump ship. To leave a difficult situation when you should stay and deal with it. It's too hard. It's too much. The weight is too heavy. I thought it was the right decision and now I'm sitting here and I'm looking and I'm ready to jump ship because I think it was a bad decision. Serving God, it's too hard. There's too much going on. And we allow the circumstance and we allow everything that is going on in this world today to dictate what we do. And we jump ship because of it. These men were afraid. These men were afraid for their lives. They had been out there for so many days without light. They didn't see any change coming. What other choice do they have? And many times we can fall into that place where we feel, what other choice do I have? You always have a choice. You always have a choice. God has never taken away the free will of man. He has always given us that freedom of choice. Me and you are the ones responsible for what we do with that choice and those decisions. Where are, at, where are you at today in your Christian walk? 
Why are you at church today? Why are you watching today? Is it because you love God? Is it because you're reminded of all that he's done for you? Is it because you're seeking him because you want to hear from him and you want him to direct your life and continue to do the work that he's doing in your life today? Or do you want to just say, I went to church today? That's okay. That's a start. But don't stay there. Have we gotten so used to the way things have been that we're willing to jump ship? Yeah, I go to church. It's only on Sundays now. I read my Bible when I go to church. But I'm living my life. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm living life now. I'll watch the stream when I have time. I'll read my Bible when I have time. I'll pray when I have time. Because I got so many other things to do. Or because I'm so fearful, I don't know what to do. I don't know what decisions to make. I'm afraid to make decisions, but I see the circumstance. I see what is going on, and I need to do something. But are you willing to seek the Lord first? Are you willing to look to the Lord first before jumping ship? Because let me tell you something. It's a dangerous place to jump ship. You may think God is in it. You may think God is with you. But did he tell you to do so? Because right here, he is telling them. The God to whom I belong and whom I worship, he said to me, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted, you must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. See, Paul had a purpose. There was a reason. And God has a purpose and a reason for you. And he is faithful to complete that work. So even though you may be fearful, but let me tell you today, do not be afraid. Because the work that God has begun in you, he will see it unto the completion, unto the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And because God is faithful to you, God is faithful to you, he will take care of your family. He will take care of your co-workers. He will take care of your brothers and sisters because you are believing him and knowing, God, I don't know how I'm going to get to tomorrow, but I'll, I'll let you worry about to tomorrow. I'm going to trust you for today because I know it is your work that you're doing in me today, Lord God. So I'm going to continue to serve you because I know the God to whom I belong to. I'm going to continue to worship you. I'm going to continue to praise you because I know that you're faithful, my God. And because you choose to do so others are blessed because of it. Don't jump ship. Don't make those decisions. And don't worry about those that have already made decisions. You don't make a decision until you know it's God. And if you've already make it, made a decision, bring it back before the Lord if you're not sure. And give it to him. And he can give you the wisdom and the direction that you need. 
Don't jump ship. I know that's a hard word to hear. But this is a word that the Lord gave me. Because this is the word that we need to hear today. Another, def, well, another way to define don't jump ship is, or jumping ship, is to abandon your posts and desert the ship. You know that God called you with a purpose. He's given you a gift. God has a purpose for your life. Don't abandon your post. Don't desert the ship. See, these men had to let go of everything that made sense. They had to cut the boats because Paul says, no matter what, we're going to crash, though. Somebody reminded me a while back of how when Prophet Alex said, if he decides to crash the boat, you guys got to be willing to go with him. Trusting that it's the Lord. The Lord told them they would crash, but that they would survive. Sometimes in our lives there will be a crash. But just know when the Lord tells you to stay on board, he's got you. He'll protect you. As I said before, one of the things they teach you driving a forklift is if that forklift tilts over, you stay inside it because that's the best way you're going to be protected. Nobody wants to crash. But when you follow the commands and the rules, it's there for your protection. And he told him in verse 26, but we must run aground on some island. So they let go of the boats. They let everything go that they trusted in. Are you willing to let go of everything else that you trust in for the sake of God? And your trust in him only. I know that's a scary place. Because it costs you. It costs you your life. But you get so much more in return. Because he gives you life, true life, in him. What is the Lord speaking to you today? Have you already jumped ship? Are you on the side already contemplating it?
or has it been a thought in your mind? How do we do this? How do we continue to stay on the ship, on what God has in any area it may be in your life today? Let's go to Romans chapter 12. We're going to read verse 1 through 21. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Another translation says, as your rational service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do we want to know the will of God? Then are we willing to be a living sacrifice unto Him? Are we willing to allow our minds to be transformed through His Word? Are we willing to agree with Him and see things for what they really are as He says they are? But it all starts with being that living sacrifice. Because it does cost you. And he says in verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in, purport, in prophecy in proportion to your faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give good thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. And this all starts with being a living sacrifice. 
willing to lay down our lives, our gifts, our talents, everything that is all about us, and give it to God to be used for his glory. It's not an easy place, but it's the greatest place you could ever be. Because you don't want to jump ship if it's not God calling you to do so. Because then you end up in waters all alone, on your own. Because that was your decision and not God's. Don't jump ship. You know what the amazing thing is, though? I can't stop you. God won't stop you. But we can pray for one another. We can encourage one another. You have a gifting that God has given you. Well, you may say, but I'm not used. I don't, you know, I'm this and that. My job, church, my home. Don't concern yourself with things too lofty and marvelous for you. Be calmed and quieted your soul because you do it unto him. He knows the right time. He knows when to open that door. You just need to be ready. Don't get tired of waiting for that promotion. If God hasn't told you to jump ship, then you continue to stay. You continue to work unto the Lord. You continue to do your job unto the Lord. And you let God work that out. All I'm saying in this is, before you make any decisions, always seek the Lord and know it's God. Because there is a time that the Lord will call you off the ship. There is a time when the Lord will call you out to walk by faith and just say, trust me. But you know, the beautiful thing about that is, is when you do so, he's right there with you. We're going to close with this scripture in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 33. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crowds. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked in the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. 
And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. See, there's a time that the Lord will call you out. And you may have to ask him, Lord, if this is you, then call to me, Lord. But when you step out of that boat and you know it's the Lord, as soon as Peter started to drown, what did he do? He called upon the Lord and the Lord was there to save him and lift him back up again. And though the Lord reminded him, oh, you of little faith, but it did not stop the Lord from picking him up and saving him. And for them both walking back into that boat. The Bible doesn't say that Peter was carried. It says they both walked back and got into the boat. Because the Lord knows how to take care of you. The Lord knows how to get you through it. The Lord has given us all the provision that me and you need because he is our provision. So I'm not saying that there doesn't come a time of change. There doesn't come a time that God will cause you to just trust him. And he's saying, just trust me. All I'm saying is today is don't let the circumstance determine your obedience. Don't let the situation determine your faithfulness to God and what God has called you to do. Don't let what's going on around us today cause you to jump ship because of the fear and the anxieties of everything that is going on. As we heard in the morning, as we heard, as we started, God is in control. His grace is enough. There is a great name that we can call upon just as Peter did. Jesus, save me. You may have been saying that just to get out of the situation. I got you. But don't jump ship unless the Lord tells you to step out in faith. Unless you know in your heart that God has given you that peace. But if not, then continue to endure and persevere and trust him. Seek him and know that he's going to bring you through. And whatever he's doing, he's teaching me and you something. We're learning through it. We're growing through it. We're maturing through it. We're being refined by it. But he is faithful to bring us through. They crashed. But every single one of them was saved. Keep your faith in the Lord, because in him we are saved. And many others today that don't know him today can be saved. No matter how the outcome or how the turnout may be, we can have hope and trust today knowing, but Lord, I know I'm saved in you. That is our peace today. That is our hope, our joy, our comfort. That is the strength. Don't abandon your post. You are needed. You are a servant. There is a purpose. You have a gifting in your life. Don't jump ship. Don't be so occupied with so many other things that we get to a place where we're so far from God. 
We're going to stay on board. We're going to trust the Lord together. We're going to seek the Lord together. We're going to worship and praise the Lord together. Then we're going to make it because we've already made it in him. Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord God. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor, Father. We just thank you, Father God, for your goodness and your grace and your mercies, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your favor, Lord. We thank you, Father God, Lord, that you are so faithful, my God. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for there is no other like you, my God. And Father God, Lord, many times, Lord Jesus, because of the circumstance and the situations in our lives, Lord, Father God, within our hearts, Lord, we tend to jump ship, my God. We abandon our posts. We become unavailable, Lord. Because, Father God, we just were focused on so many other things, Lord. But, Father God, we thank you, Lord, for reminding us, Lord, that it's all about you, Lord Jesus. And that, Lord, you are our authority. You are our king, our Lord, our master, and we belong to you, Lord God. And Father, we need your help, Lord Jesus. Father, to seek you, Lord, that we may know when it is you that is calling us out, Lord, or you're telling us to stay. Father, we can't do it on our own. And for many of us today, Lord, that maybe have abandoned ship, Lord, gotten comfortable in the new ways and the new things of how things are being done today, Lord God. Father, help us, Lord, to turn back to you, Lord Jesus, and get back on board, my God, and continue in the work, my God, the work that you saved us to do. Because, Father, only then, my God, will we continue to do that work out there in our homes, in our jobs, in our community, Lord, in our world today, my God, recognizing, Lord, that, Father God, through it all, there is still a purpose in our lives and there is still a gifting within our lives. And, Father, that is still to be used to bring you glory, Father God. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for, Father God, allowing us to serve you together. We thank you, Father God, for every house of God that is open today, Lord, that every service that is being going forth today, the word of God and the worship and the praise that is going forth today, Lord. We thank you, Father God, because, Lord, we in agreement are choosing to continue to do, Father God, what you have called us and saved us to do. So, Father, we just thank you this day, Father God. We give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor, Father. And we just thank you for this time today. We thank you for speaking to our hearts and our minds and our lives today, Lord. And Father, we're trusting, Lord God, that, Father, you would show us and reveal to our hearts, my God, what you are saying to us today. So we thank you this morning, O oh God, and we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We are dismissed this morning. If you need prayer, I will still be up here today. And uh, you guys have a blessed day, blessed weekend.